What's up, people? Another episode of Just for Sport. Jamal K. Davis here with you on this Friday morning as we get set for the weekend of sports. And the weekend gets started with Thursday night football. Because Friday is kind of like the weekend too, right? So by the time we get to tonight, you're watching football. And then Friday, you know, everybody's feeling good. You go into the weekend. You're in the college football, college basketball is up. And of course, the NBA, which by the way, I let it slide. I, I wasn't even making a big deal out of it. Till one day I remember, wait a minute, NBA on TNT is no longer on Thursdays. Well, I just thought about that again, thinking about Thursday, because that's what I used to love to watch, is go back and forth between if it was a good football game and a good basketball game. But obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of NBA on TNT. So we're going to talk some NFL you know, I got to do my gut check picks for the week, my parlay, so I will do that. I'm going to start with some quick shout outs to some interesting stories that I saw on uh, ESPN and Yahoo Sports. Shout out to Kim Kardashian, rescuing what I would say could end up being I don't know if it's right to say a documentary, but I'm sure somebody is thinking of a way to turn this into a movie. But Kim Kardashian was part of a team that rescued female soccer players from Afghanistan who were fleeing the country that was taken over by the Taliban and got the soccer team to safety in London, where they hope to start new lives. The Afghanistan's women youth development team arrived in Britain on Thursday. But a New York rabbi and Kim Kardashian helped get uh, 30 teenage players and their families. The report says on ESPN about 130 people in all. Uh, arrived in London. They have to be quarantined for 10 days before they can start their new lives in Britain. So you could read more about that, the, the reasons why the national women's football team um, and the youth girls team were trying to get out of the country. Um, so I thought that was a cool story that I read about, you know, the rabbi called Kim and was like, hey, can you help? And she chartered a, a plane to get him to London, to get him to safety. So that was pretty cool. Uh, another story that was unfortunate is hearing um, about the Texas Tech radio announcers that are reprimanded by the Big 12 for critiquing referees. They said they went too far in naming the referees and some of the other comments they made. And you know I can do that too. Maybe not naming them necessarily, but, but I definitely will say that uh, I feel for these guys, like they went too far obviously but I know how, you know, get under your skin a little bit 
if referees aren't calling the game, and I shouldn't even say your way, you got to be impartial. And these guys may not have been impartial. Obviously, they were, you know, Texas Tech announcers. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what that means for the future of announcers and their ability to call it like they see it. That's what you want people to do. Call it like you see it. But apparently they went a little too far. I read an interesting story about a uh, bookmaker who's facing uh, more than a $1 million loss on the bet that was placed in March that will be dis- you know, decided tonight. A better place a $30,000 bet on Shohei Otani to win the AL MVP at 31 odds at the William Hill Sportsbook. I think he should get it. I think he will get it. But that better could win up to $900,000. $900,000 if he wins. Otani started at 60 to 1 to win the MVP in February. And to think, man, I mean, 60 to 1 isn't a lot unless you put a lot of money down, too. I mean, obviously, 60 to 1 means you put down a dollar, you win 60. You're like, okay. But. You know, if you got the money to spend and you put it up there, but there is more than obviously that one bet. That's just an example of the number of people that took that long shot bet that are, you know, hoping they're going to cash in. And they might. I think he's MVP. I think he should be considered MVP. That'll be interesting tonight. Somebody's getting lucky. Speaking of luck, as I switched to the National Basketball Association, it wasn't exactly luck when I remember seeing the Washington Wizards making a lot of trades to get better players around Bradley Beal. Yeah, there's no doubt. It was cool to see Russell Westbrook playing with the Washington Wizards as he passed Oscar Robertson for the most triple doubles. And, you know, I mean, the the run that the Wizards made to make it to the play-in tournament and then into the first round of playoffs was quite amazing. And Tommy Shepard and Sashi Brown were both given extensions. They are the two-headed monster, if you will that run the Washington Wizards organization. And I'm happy for them. What they did was retool a Washington Wizards team that needed some veterans, frankly. And to get Spencer Dinwiddie, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, KCP as they call him, Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell. They even got Aaron Holiday, one of the three Holiday brothers. And Isaiah Todd, who some say was a sleeper pick in the draft. We'll see. Remains to be seen. And Bradley Beal being the all-NBA player that he is could not carry this team by himself. And I think that there are two ways to win a championship. Either you have a couple of dynamic all-NBA superstars on your team. Some say you probably need three to compete with the likes of 
Brooklyn, and the Lakers, and I'd say maybe three. I think the key is, for me, if you look at the number of NBA champions, you need a power forward or small forward as one of your top two players. They can be all NBA, you got it. Look at Milwaukee. Their two best players are a center power forward, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is, I mean, it's hard to stop him. You can't stop him. And I don't even want to say that, oh, okay, I know they call him the Greek freak, but, you know, there are a lot of talented players at his height. But the other player was Chris Middleton. You need two. And I don't think those two can necessarily, it's rare that those two are the point guard and shooting guard. Golden State being one that that's a rarity. I would say the Detroit Pistons with Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars is another one. And as far as point guards, he's not the full point guard, but you know I've always talked about Magic Johnson. And having, you know, he was a 6'9 point guard. But it's rare that the point guard and shooting guard can be your two best players. But what the Wizards have done is to build around Bradley Beal with some solid veterans. They've done a really good job. But I will say, as I look at the team futures, it's just a solid job. I mean, can they win the NBA championship? The Washington Wizards at plus 18,000. So you don't want to get too ahead of yourself. That's $180 to one. But, but what I will say is that you got a few dollars, put it down. You never know. How exciting is it for those of you that, and I'm going a little off a different sport here, but Leicester City in the English Premier League, when they won the English Premier League title, everyone who put money down on them, which I think their odds were somewhere around the same odds as the Wizards. I mean, they were, I think maybe 6,000 to one, something like that. You put a little bit of money on there. You're looking good. But as far as winning the East... I would almost say, hold your horses on that extension. Don't get too out of control. Maybe give it a season. Because as I mentioned a little bit on Monday, yeah, there's a lot of excitement around the Wizards being in first place. But the odds makers know a little bit about what they're doing. And not only are the Wizards far down on the list to win the championship, they're at plus 8,000 to win the Eastern Conference. That's behind the Nets, Bucks, Heat, Sixers, Bulls, Hawks, Celtics, Knicks, and Pacers. Somebody knows something. And yes, it's going to play out at the end of the season. We've been about a month into the season. A little bit over a month. If you include training camp, that is. But i that's what I'm looking at. Along with, yes, you can see them in first place. In, to win the Southeast Division, the Wizards are at plus 1,200. So they're well behind the Heat at minus 400, and the Hawks at plus 500. 
So yes, you can look at it both ways. And I'm I'm from a positive standpoint, I am very one I am one hundred percent very happy to see the Washington Wizards in first place. And I wish them all of the success. That's my home team. I want to see them do well. But every time I think about the excitement and like, ooh, the Wizards are good. I go to Props HQ. I look at the different odds makers, bet MGM, points bet, DraftKings, and the Wizards are nowhere to be seen. Nowhere. Nowhere. And again, that could be a good thing if you're saying, hey, well, they're flying below the radar. I'll give you that. Maybe that's a part of it. And that's a wonderful thing. But maybe wait until the offseason before you start talking about extensions. Just just wait a little bit. And the other reason why I say wait a little bit is because if you remember, the Wizards started the season awful. They were awful last year and then turned it around. Somehow they did with Scott Brooks. He's now with the Portland Trailblazers as an assistant coach. Shout out to him. I don't know if he would have been as good as a head coach with this team. But what I don't want to get lost is that the beautiful story of last year, the passing, or rather, is it earlier this year? The passing of Wes Unseld. He is, let's not talk about stats. And I know it's tough for me. It's, yeah, he passed away in 2020, in June of 2020. He is the greatest Washington Bullets Wizards player in history. The most well-known, if nothing else. And the beautiful story of his son now being the head coach of the Washington Wizards and the success that they are having. I don't want that to get lost. It's not all about the general managers and what they do. In many ways, I would say it's less about the general managers and more about the coach. It's easy to make some moves on paper Say, oh, look what I did. I traded for this and that. But the coach has to put in the work to make them actually play. So if anybody needs an extension, a promotion, if you want to give somebody something early, you give it to Wes Unsell Jr. He's done a phenomenal job. And I'm excited for my Washington Wizards. I really am. They sit atop the Eastern Conference at 10 and 4. They're 6 and 1 at home, 4 and 3 on the road, 7 and 3 in their last 10. The point differential isn't great. It's at plus 3.9. The Bulls are better. The Heat are better. And they're right on their heels. The Nets, Bulls, and Heat, who also made deals are right on the heels of the Wizards. And that's another reason why I say, hey, slow down there, buddy. Slow down before you start throwing around money to the Washington Wizards. Nobody's clamoring to get Tommy Shepard as their general manager. Take it easy. The Bulls also look very good. They sign an all-star center in Nikola Vucevic. They re-upped Zach Levine's contract. He and DeMar DeRozan, who they also traded for, are a two-headed monster. 
And again, there's that small forward and shooting guard. They got Lonzo Ball as a point guard. They got Alex Caruso from the Lakers who's played well. But the crazy thing is their roster has been completely overhauled. Only Zach Levine and Kobe White remain from the 2020 team. The Nets are right behind them. Right behind the Wizards, I mean, at 11-5. And and the Bulls are 10-5. And and the Heat are 10-5. That is going to be quite interesting to see a month from now what we're looking at. That's what I want to see. And I'll have a keen eye on the Washington Wizards who've not just beat bad teams, they've beat good teams or teams that should be good. Now they just most recently lost to the Hornets, who's another sleeper team. Shout out to Kelly Oubre Jr. Their biggest acquisition of the offseason, I think that is making a difference on that team, but they were good before that. LaMelo Ball is legit. Don't forget the can't win if your point guard's your best player. So they're going to need some help with the Hornets. They're looking all right. Nine and seven on the season. They won four in a row. But the Wizards have beat the Bucks at home. They beat the Grizzlies at home. John Moran on my Grizzlies. Don't hate like you were like, oh, no, the Grizzlies aren't that good. Come on. You know you think John Moran and the Grizzlies are good. They beat the Celtics and the Hawks. They lost to the Nets. The Wizards, that is. So it'll be interesting. Keep an eye on it. I think the Heat made a big move by getting Kyle Lowry. They needed to switch it up at point guard. And they did so. But they had a solid core already with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero. And adding Kyle Lowry was smart move. Duncan Robinson's a good young player. They added P.J. Tucker just off of the Bucks championship. That's a solid, solid, solid team. So the Wizards sitting at the top, they're going to have to be careful. There's going to be a lot of teams coming for them. And all I'm saying is just like the Wizards started the season bad last year and got good at the end of the season, wait till the end of the season. Let's make sure we're good. But enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about that's off the court that I found a very interesting story is that general managers in the NBA are forming, uh, it's the new word. Really, it's a union. It's like a union, but they're calling it a association that will support executives. And this is coming on the heels of the Portland Trailblazers and the, the investigation into the way that the team has been run by their president of basketball operations, Neil Olshi, and now more front office executives want help to protect them from the owners so that the owners can't just fire these top basketball executives, if you will. If the team's not doing well or all of a sudden the owner just wants to shake it up or in this case an investigation 
into allegations of misconduct. And it got me to thinking about, is this going to be a widespread movement? Will we see more unions or associations from the different groups, the different subsets of a sports franchise? Can the employees in general, are they going to have a union to protect them? The ideas for these executives to have access to uh, lawyers and a PR staff to help them and legal defense funds. And the only thing that makes it tough for me is not being, it's a reality. I'm not being cynical. These are executives. They're making a lot of money. Not saying they can't form a union, but this is the haves getting even more, getting protection. While the employees don't have as much protection. They don't have the the millions of dollars that some of these executives have or even hundreds of thousands necessarily to have a legal defense fund. Or maybe it's just there's too many employees. They can't get together that, that way. You know, you gotta have union dues to help pay for these fees. It's not easy. But I think you may see more of this and I applaud the NBA and other leagues in some ways for understanding the importance of taking some of these taking these investigations seriously that's really important you best believe it's not easy for people to come out and talk about you know hey this happened to me someone didn't treat me fairly or i witnessed someone not being treated fairly in a workplace environment. Everyone needs protection of this kind because there's nothing harder than being on your own, almost on an island, feeling like you don't have anyone to help you. You feel isolated. You feel like any day now, the walls can come tumbling down and you're out of a job and no one's on your side. And so I hope if the general managers are forming an association that maybe more employees will do the same within, maybe not within their department, but just as a whole, just as a whole. I think it is important. All right. Moving on to the National Football League. And there's a story out that the NFL will be intensifying their COVID-19 protocols realistically, not just over Thanksgiving, as the story said, but throughout Christmas, the holidays, a lot of family gatherings, people getting together on a more uh, grouping basis, dinners, vacations, et cetera, et cetera. And the interesting thing that came out from the NFL chief medical officer, Dr. Alan Sills, was that 81 players and staff members tested positive for COVID-19 during the testing period of October 31st to November 13th. It's the highest caseload of the season. Through two months, there were 97 players and staff members. So the numbers are going up. Joey Bosa, who is unvaccinated, was the the last player 
or the last story, a cog in the wheel, if you will, in the wheel, if you will. The San Diego Chargers. Joey Bosa is a big deal in San Diego. He's tied for the lead lead with three strip sacks in five and a half sacks this season. He and Jerry Tillery both entered the league's reserve COVID-19 protocol on Tuesday. That's, man. That's not going to be good for the Chargers on Sunday. But it's also not really good for the Steelers either. There was a pretty funny tweet that I actually liked. There was a report coming out about the number of players that the Steelers may be without for this upcoming game at the Chargers. Ben Roethlisberger, Chase Claypool, Trey Turner, Kevin Dotson, Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, and then they're already without Juju Smith-Schuster, Stefan Tuitt, and Tyson Alualu. And this one tweet said, can we just play the Chargers on Zoom? <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. But now both of these teams, the Chargers and the Steelers, who are going to be playing, and I'm going to get to my gut check pick soon, will be without key players. They will be without key players. And I already know who, already know who I'm going to pick pick but I'm gonna start with Thursday night football now we're in week 11 of the football season and the Thursday night game has been the toughest game to pick for me oh it's been difficult it's the as I mentioned it's like the first game you're excited for the weekend and it kind of kicks off the weekend with football but this all, I don't know. It's just something been weird about this game. And then I end up losing this game on Thursday in my picks. And so my, the rest of my parlay is just destroyed. And here we go tonight. We got the New England Patriots at six and four and surging and surging. Mac Jones looks good. Bill Belichick is still the same coach. I know I said Tom Brady won that. Breakup, if you will. This is fair, not fair to call it a breakup, but you know, they went their separate ways. But I think in many ways, Bill Belichick is probably like, I'm good with it. I've had a quality career. And now he's got Mac Jones, and maybe he's headed back in the right direction. They look good. And they should beat the Falcons. They should. But there's a difference between should and will that's the that's the key now when i'm trying to make when you're trying to make a pick for tonight and give you a couple things to think about the patriots are one of two only two teams undefeated on the road this season arizona is the other so you got that if you got a fantasy team, and I actually have him on my team, Hunter Henry 
has caught seven of Mac Jones' 13 touchdowns. So I'm happy about that. I'm happy about that. The New England Patriots, with Mac Jones at the quarterback position, have won four straight games. It's kind of weird that Mac Jones went from Alabama and you just didn't know what you were going to get from him. And he's actually proving to be a very serviceable quarterback. New England, the first six weeks, they were two and four, scoring 20, just over 20 points per game and allowing 21. But since then, they're 4-0. They're scoring almost 40 points per game and only allowing just over 12. That's a big deal. The defense has gotten better, which also helps the offense, which also helps the offense. Now, on the other side of the ball, we all remember the New England Patriots coming back to beat the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl. That was one of the worst losses in my mind. Actually, the worst loss in Super Bowl history for any team. So I feel for the Atlanta Falcons. The Dirty Birds. If anybody remember the Dirty Birds? Matt Ryan is 0-4 in his career versus Bill Belichick. And Atlanta is 0-3 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium this season. Yes, the record says they are 1-3 at home. But that one home win was in London against the Jets. So they have not won in the ATL. And as I start my gut check picks, I feel like I got an easy one. This can't be that difficult. Now it is harder to pick against the spread versus the money line. And so maybe that's part of why I've been doing worse lately. I don't know. Money line isn't easy, but spread's harder. But here I go. Gut check picks. New England Patriots at the Atlanta Falcons. The Patriots are favored at minus six and a half. I am going to take the Patriots. The Baltimore Ravens at the Chicago Bears. The Bears are the underdog at plus five at home. I am going to take the Bears. Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are at plus one. Green Bay Packers, you got Aaron Rodgers back. You never know what you're going to get out the Vikings, but the Vikings are at home. I'm going to go on ahead and take the Vikings at plus one. That's going to be a very close game. The Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are at home. They're favored at minus seven. I'm going with the Bills to right the ship. The Texans at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are favored at minus 10. Now, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. When I think about what the Titans, how well they're playing, how bad the Texans are, I mean, man, my gut check pick says go with the Titans. 49ers at the Jaguars. The Jaguars are the underdogs at home at plus six and a half. Did the 49ers right the ship winning at home? Against the Rams are the Jaguars who welcomed the Buffalo Bills two weeks ago to Jacksonville and stomped on them. Nine to six. Not really a stomping, but I just like saying it that way. 
Will they do the same to the 49ers? I don't think so. But I'm going to say, you know what? That game may be closer than you think. I'm going to take the Jaguars at plus six and a half. The Detroit Lions at the Cleveland Browns. I don't know what the Cleveland Browns are going to be. I think they are awful. I think they are just not as good as we thought they were. Or maybe it was just they were feeling themselves a little bit too much with, you know, saying goodbye to Odell Beckham. That very well may have been the case. I'm going to take the Browns, though, at minus 11, psych. I'm going to take the Lions at plus 11 because I like what they did against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe they're turning a different corner. Maybe. So I'm going to take the Lions at plus 11 there. The Saints at the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are favored at minus 2. They don't know what's going on with the quarterback situation with the Saints. I mean, you know what the quarterback situation is. You just don't know how well they're going to play. I feel like if I'm looking at the Eagles and I'm wondering, okay, NFC East team, they're playing at home. Can the Eagles do it? They are 0-4 at home. But I feel like at some point they've got to turn a corner. Now, granted, you know, minus two. It doesn't matter if they're home and away necessarily. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Eagles at minus two. The Washington football team at the Carolina Panthers. That is going to be a great game. Ron Rivera returning to North Carolina. And not only is he facing his old team, but Cam Newton who said, I'm back. Last week signed by the Panthers. They win a spirited game last week. Maybe they're going to do it again. I'm going to take the Panthers at minus three. Dolphins at the Jets. This is a tough game to pick. The Dolphins are the road team. They are favored at minus three and a half. But there's also news coming out that Joe Flacco will be the starting quarterback, former University of Pittsburgh quarterback, will be the starting quarterback for the New York Jets. They are actually two and two at home. That's not bad. I am going to take the Jets at plus three and a half. The Dolphins are only three and seven. It's not like they're that great of a team and their road record is one and four. So I'm going to take the Jets to win a home game. The Bengals at the Raiders. The Raiders are the underdogs at plus one. They've been through a lot. There's no doubt about that. The Bengals are five and four. I would say that they're clinging to for dear life, but. They're not that far. They're five and four. The Ravens are six and three. You don't know what's going to happen there. The Bengals are three and two on the road. The Raiders are also five and four. They're three and two at home. This is a tough one, but I think I'm going to go with the Raiders at plus one. The Dallas Cowboys at the Kansas City Chiefs. Now this is going to be must watch TV. The Chiefs sit atop the AFC West at 6-4. They're 3-2 at home, 3-2 on the road. 
They looked really good last week against the Raiders, but it was really in the fourth quarter where the game was blown open. The Cowboys are 7-2. They are 3-1 on the road, 4-1 at home. Boy, this is a tough one to take. I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys at plus 2.5. You know it's tough for me to root for them Cowboys, but I'm going to do it. I think that their defense is a little bit better than the Chiefs. The Arizona Cardinals travel to Seattle. Russell Wilson is back. He was rusty last week. The Seahawks got shut out 17 to nothing against the Packers. Arizona Cardinals aren't looking good either. I don't know what's going to happen with Kyler Murray. I just feel like in this case, I'm going to go with the underdog, the Seahawks at home. I know that that's probably, in my mind, the biggest gamble that I'm going to be taking here. It's a divisional game. The Cardinals, as I mentioned, are one of the only two teams that are undefeated on the road. They're at 8-2. The Seahawks are 3-6. and six. I just feel like don't sleep on the Seahawks now that he's gotten a little bit more time, just a little bit more time to get back into a rhythm. I'm taking the Seahawks there. And then we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers at the LA Chargers. As I've mentioned before, both the Steelers and Chargers are dealing with COVID protocols and injuries. The Steelers are the underdog on the road at plus five and a half. I'm going to take the Chargers at minus five and a half to win that game at home. In the Monday night game, you got the Giants at the Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not looked them this, like the same team of late. They've lost two in a row. They're two and three on the road. Six and three on, in the, on the season with the Saints right behind them at five and four. Who knows? Can they hold on to that and win that division? Well, they are playing the Giants who are one and three on the road and they're playing the defending champions in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you remember, even when they stumbled in the middle of the season last year, the Buccaneers turned it around and went on an amazing run to win the Super Bowl championship. I'm taking the Buccaneers at minus 11 to win the game. And those are my gut check picks. I've got the Patriots at minus six and a half. The Bears is the underdog at plus five. Vikings plus one at home. Bills minus seven at home. Titans minus 10 at home. Jaguars plus six and a half at home. The Detroit Lions plus 11 on the road. The Eagles minus two at home. The Panthers minus three at home. The Jets plus three and a half at home. The Raiders plus one at home. The Cowboys plus two and a half on the road. The Seahawks plus two at home. The Chargers minus five and a half at home. And the Buccaneers minus 11 at home. And those are my gut check picks. I hope you enjoy your weekend of sports. I know I will. That'll do it for Just for Sport. Ciao for now.